guys welcome to episode two of movie fights podcast we got the results in from judge reinhold uh, has transmitted his judgment and congratulations ish you you won you won round one stand by me takes it in movie fights uh fight of coming of age movies yeah, so, yeah I mean, you feel pretty good decision by all the judges or yeah. the judge uh, i feel very good yeah you should you had, you had the home field advantage you picked the you picked the the fight uh jason you feel like you've got the home field advantage tonight you feel like you picked the winner um i don't know i feel like it's it's my it's my favorite for sure it's a good movie we'll, we'll see how it goes it depends on depends on the judge you know the sometimes yeah. the judge is taste uh taste that just isn't there yeah yeah so Round two, uh, Jason picked the category. He picked sword and sorcery movies. So I guess the prerequisite was there has to be a sword <laughs> and some sort of magic. So he picked Excalibur, um, 1981. Who directed it? John Borman. John Borman. John Borman, yeah. John Borman's Excalibur. <laughs> Ish picked Willow, directed by classic. Ron Howard. Yeah, a timeless class. It is. It's something. <laughs> And then I picked Ridley Scott's Legend. We're going to talk about both versions tonight, I assume. But the version I submitted to the fight is the um, the director's cut, which was released in the early 2000s. So, um, but we're going to open up, I guess, uh, winner of the previous episode. You get to you get to go first, man. Yeah, kicking off this let's week. Let's talk with, about uh, let's Willow. talk about Willow. Tell us what it's about. Uh, Willow. So you got the Holy Trinity in the form of Ron Howard, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg involved. A lot of people say it's a, a bit of a Star Wars clone. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure James will bring that up later. Uh, but that. Willow starts out. You got Warwick Davis is just regular farming Joe. Sort of has a, a bit of greatness thrust upon him in the sense of caring for a young child. And from there, the movie sort of just sets on. I wouldn't pace. call. I wouldn't call anything this movie greatness. <laughs> I got to church it up, man. I got to. I got to throw it out there. Kind of shit shine the best light on it that i can no i picked it just yeah willow it's one of those movies i saw when i was young saw well, it keep telling more. us what it's about you stopped halfway because i interrupted uh, you. yeah uh so yeah willow has the baby and is tasked with returning it to not necessarily its rightful error but its rightful place in the world to try and help battle the evil queen of morta that is uh <laughs> taking over the land yeah, the whole prophecy thing uh the baby's born with a special birthmark it is smuggled out and sent down river and willow finds it on his land and from there sets out on his journey to return it making a couple friends along the way Can we talk about how this lady made this grass like the dogs were almost there to murder her. <laughs> and in 20 seconds she has crafted something for a newborn baby to float on to be a and midwife back then to be in the river yeah, to be like a, one of those uh, midwives. Do you think Ron Howard saw Moses? He's like, well, it, it says that this works. <laughs> Reeds and grass save lives. <laughs> yeah. Quick thinking on her part. I, I commend her. She gets brutally eaten by horrific tor- uh, like terror dogs shortly yeah. after. But <laughs> She deserves. <laughs> she murdered a baby. <laughs> so uh, the subplot uh, in the movie is Willow, while trying to return the baby, is 
is discovering that he has some magical abilities of his own, hence the sorcery aspect of things. Then with the friends, his ability to drop magic acorn. Then as far as the sorcery goes, you got plenty of magic spells, a magic wand. And then in the form of a sword, you have Mad Bardigan, who is the greatest swordsman in the land. Willow even wielding a sword towards the end. You got trolls and creatures and fairies and brownies. It's just, it's the epitome. It's the definition of sword and sorcery greatness. Sword and sorcery uh, greatness. But it ends how you expect. Evil Queen defeated a young baby where she belongs in the world to, to kind of heal the land. And Willow returns home a hero after being sort of an outcast and a and ridiculed for stealing two hours of our lives. <laughs> I think everyone would agree. Willow is pretty much a lot of people's first foray into the fantasy genre as kids. It's, it's we, all, not- we all know first is the best. <laughs> uh, maybe not the best, but in my sense, the better and also just memorable. Yeah. It checks a lot of boxes and on the whole, it's a very wholesome and fun film. And that's why I chose it. And I know with the podcast, we don't necessarily are putting forth what we choose is the best movie in the genre, but uh, we make the case why our choice is the best for the episode and yeah. how it best embodies what was chosen by Jason who, this week. Who do you think was the best actor in this movie? Uh, the best actor? I, I think Kevin Pollack is one of the brownies was my favorite. Yeah. Yep, he was a good the one. The ones that did the, the just the French caricatures. <laughs> oh, you mean it's a me, brownie. <laughs> It's just yeah, him and another dude. That's, Why were they friends? I don't know. I just I think the two of them were alone in front of a blue or green scheme. They didn't see any of the other cast ever, <laughs> yeah. so they kind of just went with it. And uh, they, I know Kevin Pollock was sort of famous for being improv acting and stuff like that, and so they kind of just made a decision and went with it, which I, I applaud. I enjoyed it. The the comic relief you would say of the film, the R two D two and C three PO of the film. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when you think of sword and sorcery. Willow has every one of those traits in spades. That's where you're going to have it being the best candidate, how it adheres to being a sword and sorcery film. <laughs> and I know critiques are shortly coming. So that's why I'm glad I got to go for the first this week because it's definitely the best of the three choices. Let's talk about let's talk about the elephant in the room. Then let's talk about Star Wars. So this movie was written by George Lucas. Um, so you've got Willow, who's the, the farmhand, you know, he's Luke Skywalker, and they get Mad Mortigan, who is clearly Han Solo, Sorsha is Princess Leia, then you've got the dude in the skull mask, which is Darth Vader, you've got Bav Morda, who is Palpatine, <laughs> and then you've got, what's the Yoda's name, the old lady, who is Yoda, that oh, teaches... Yeah, Raziel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Burgle, there's Burgle Cut. Burgle Cut's just... <laughs> Burgle but he's cut. Jabba the Hutt. Oh, so who would a Laura Dannon be in this sense? It's it's got an extra character. It's totally different. Yeah. I, I granted, I know a lot of people say the writing mirrors the Star Wars mold that Lucas created. The brownies are two D two C three PO. Come on, man! It's the same story. It is the same story. It's so, he, it's his own thing he ripped off. Though. <laughs> is it ripping off? It's just he had a good idea and he he changed that idea. So <laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> let's roll the tape. Do it again. But here's the here's another thing. Why couldn't the effects be a quarter as good as Star Wars? The effects were so bad, man. These are brownie effect. I think they just discovered green screens. They're like, okay, oh, let's, yeah. let's have these guys stand here. The don't get me started on the monster, which is clearly just two penis shafts <laughs> with two testicles with eyeballs and a mouth on top was it supposed to be a dragon i don't understand like that is the worst monster ilm has ever put together it's, uh, that puppet was awful did you guys know it's uh siskel and ebert 
Is it really? I yeah, that. I forget what the name of it is, but it's like Sispert or some. I don't well, know. Now I hate it even more. You know, it'd be great to put. And so he's got a movie. couple. Sorry. There are a couple of characters in the in the movie that are um, named after critics, and a lot of the critics didn't realize that it was it was them. But that's the most well known one. Is that's uh, Siskel and Ebert. They made some really good decisions in this movie. They're like, you know what this movie needs? What if the main monster was movie critics? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. In name only. I think the for this being in a a Lucas film, you know, I think the effects there was no there's no excuse for how bad they are in this movie. The trolls just being the Chaka outfits from Land (laughs) of the Lost is wow. Like it looks like they had Ewok costumes left over and they just cut the face out. I would actually not be surprised if that's actually 100% accurate. I think it rings the bell with people in the fact that, I don't know, everybody wants to be a hero. They relate to it. There might have been yeah. some recycled aspects, but I don't think right. it made the so movie let's talk about Let's talk about the hero and how people can relate to, I guess it's a little person. Yeah, I think it was the largest casting call in the history of movies for yeah, little people. Like, we need a real sweet athletic hero. I, dude, Warwick Davis, super young. I, he was he was pretty nimble, man. I saw him. The one thing he did, like balance beam onto a horse and did some rolling, lots of stunts. It's just like I feel bad for him. It's like okay, we need a hero to carry this baby two thousand miles. Let's and then they're like, oh, but it's cool. Take these three magic acorns that when you throw them at things, turn them into stone. <laughs> Not like a magic sword. Three acorns. I just feel like as a hero, he was pretty unprepared, not too relatable. I think they could have just had anybody else. He overcame like momentous odds. You got to have the protagonist run into something as issues facing. I just felt nervous for Willow the whole time because everybody else is a tall person. Didn't let that uh, keep him down. I know. It's just (laughs) like the, it's weird watching a movie where the hero is not able to compete with physically another single person in the entire movie. Yeah, uh, does that he, make sense? Like, it, yeah, it just felt I, weird. I get that. I get that. It's a little strange. I kind of like it. It's different in that as the hero, he is not, you know, the sword wielding guy. And a lot of like fantasy films or sword and sorcery, your main character is, you know, the, the sword wielding hero of the story. Yeah. And a lot of the sorcery aspects or magic users are kind of like a secondary character in the film. Most of the time, that's how it goes. And in this case, he's the primary character. And not only is he a magic user, he's kind of a terrible one. No, he's not a magic user. He doesn't, he can't use magic. Well, he can't, he can't, but he wants to be a magician, right? So that's kind of like what his thing is. A match through a log. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) but I'm just saying that's the way it's presented. And, and because he's not, and he's, he's bad at it. It makes him even more of kind of an underdog sort of character. Yeah. Being like the everyman hero, you know, he's not going to have that super awesome skill set that just makes him exceed. And more people relate to that. It's just weird. I guess for me, he's like, (laughs) it's not that he can't succeed, but he's even less like physical than the hobbits. Right. Maybe it's just the limitations of the technology at the time. Maybe I'm being too hard on that. We can talk about how the movie invented racial slur. <laughs> what? I don't understand the peck thing. It feels so bad. I had never noticed it until Did I was they watching it with that my wife was and daughter. I don't know. I was watching it with my wife and daughter, and they both pointed out almost immediately, like, are they calling them something bad? <laughs> like, yeah, like it feels yeah. dirty. Like, 
I understand why because they invented the term no wins. I don't understand why they couldn't call them no wins. Is it supposed to be like because they're like little dicks? Like is it like a half a pecker? I don't know. We have to maybe we get George Lucas on one day and figure out why they came up with the word peck. <laughs> That's the only new thing in the movie. It's Star Wars with <laughs> racial slur. Sorry, it's movie fight. <laughs> Good man. You won last week. We're, we're, we're all going to have valid points on each side, and it's not that I disagree with you on every front that you're saying. Of course, that stuff is in there, and when I come to think of movies, I'm going to put forth in our fights in the future and stuff like that it's just what resonates with the watcher the most what what leaves you feeling good and stuff like that i think willow definitely does a lot of that i think that in editing willow there's a good movie somewhere in there and i think maybe whoever edited it they just left too much stuff in it because i when i watched it recently the whole battle at the castle with the like two-headed dragon like that should have been the end of the movie right when yeah. that happens you're like all oh, right the, the movie's over and then it has 40 more minutes and then the final battle is just two old ladies waving sticks at each other it's just so anticlimactic i feel like there's a way to edit and cut it into a good movie and it's like what can we give people with the shortest arms something to throw <laughs> it's like why couldn't they give him any other magic item? but yeah the the pacing of the movie the story is star wars it's hard to get over that but the pacing the movie just it's tiresome man like i kept wanting to turn it off and i watched it twice even with most bad movies for me i can at least be entertained enough to watch it through but just the way the movie drags on and it's cut it's just boring yeah it drags a bit in places uh, of, of the three movies this week i think the best paced one is definitely legend it's the only one that i didn't really find myself looking at the clock to- oh, you just, you don't come at mine now yeah. I'm not coming at yours. I just just said, wait. Just wait till we get to it, man. I said your movie had a good take. Pace. Your beating. You <laughs> take your beatings like a man. <laughs> Let's keep on going. Turn. My other thing about Willow is that it uses my least favorite writing convention. I think, which is a love potion. I think love potion is so. Oh, the crazy. attraction powder. The whole scene where like he goes into the tent and he's under the love potion and she like wakes up and then ends up kissing him. It's just so lazy. The scene would have been so much better if she had woken up and was pissed and stayed pissed at him and he was under the love potion you know what i mean i don't know it just well he won her over with words originally she was she was off put when he when she first awoke calling her the sun and the moon and the sky and all that jazz yeah, but just he doesn't even over. he's only saying that to her because of the love potion just the love potion thing is maybe just, the love potion brings like, out existing feelings and he's just expounding yeah. on this it would have also been cool i think if she had kept her mask on the whole time and not taking her mask off until, until the he end was in the tent yeah then he could have been shocked there's a good movie in there somewhere i you don't got, know Val, uh, Val Kimmer, <laughs> cross-dressing. That's a plus right there. Is this his first <laughs> role or had he been in stuff? I don't think it's his first. I know he wasn't first cast for Mad Morgan in this. I think John Cusack had it first and lost it to Val I Kimmer. Know. No, he didn't. I guarantee. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, the case. Yeah, he did. Really? He, would, yeah. He, he wanted it. He reached Are out Are you to, only uh, picking movies that John Cusack was dude, almost in? Or- <laughs> every great film has a relationship to John Cusack. I don't I don't make it happen. It just has. He tried to get it. And uh, Val Kilmer won. Wanted out. What did in Val Kilmer been anything before this? Though I don't recall seeing that he had been in anything. This we is are. definitely before Top Gun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he was in before that. Is this what? No, top, should look this it up. Was eighty six right? Top Gun was eighty one. Top Gun was later than that. Did you say eighty one? So top. It was after. It came after Legend. Even oh no, dude. His starring role was Top Secret. That's his first role. Top Gun's nineteen eighty six. Yeah. You remember, you remember Top Secret, right? The spy film with Val Kilmer, the parody spy film. That was his first one. Top Gun is eighty six. Willow's eighty eight. Oh, Top Gun was first. So Top Secret and Real Genius were his first two movies. Oh yeah, Real Genius. I, I should have known that. 
Yeah, that's now that's, probably, that's, that's probably my favorite Val Kilmer movie, actually. Yeah, Real Genius. Yeah. It's, it's so a good. great one. So he uh, on the set of Willow, he and Joanne Wally, Wally Whaley, forget how you say her name, the Sorcha. girl that plays yeah. Sorcha, right? They began a relationship and they ended up getting married and having two kids. Wow. From uh, so Willow did one good thing. Yeah, brought them together. Yeah. I had to check who the actress was because I thought it might be like Ron Howard's daughter because she looks like all of Ron Howard's kids. I don't think Ron Howard would have a kid that old back in 84 or 88. Yeah, right. Richie Cunningham can get it. Opie, Opie probably got it. You know how Hollywood was yeah. back then. Yeah, so that's Jason, about all what, I have for Willow. Jason, what do you think about Willow, though? Just overall, what's your feeling? Um, you know, it's... I mean, I have love a, for it a, from, as a it's child. A, it's a nostalgia movie for me. Yeah. It's one of those... Like Ish said, kind of a, a gateway movie for a lot of people. It wasn't like the first like fantasy movie that I recall or anything like that. But I had a lot of a lot of love for it when I was a kid. I've seen it so many times over the years, though, and it's it's kind of like these days it just doesn't feel like it you know did when I was a kid and I watched it. It's not as not as great, but I still like it. it it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I pulled a, a clip, pulled a clip of the brownies just to play because I had a hard time finding anything worth playing. And there are some redeeming brownies moments. So let me um, share my screen. Out of the way, pick. Don't call me a pet. There's a, a pet here with an acorn <laughs> pointed at me. What? <laughs> Don't call me a pet. Out of the way, pick. Not a stupid <laughs> pet like you. Don't call me a pet. I don't need help from a peck. Peck? Peck? Peck, 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 peck. Not a stupid <laughs> peck like you. Peck, 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 You set me up, peck. man. Uh, sorry, that, that, was, that was the wrong one. Let me, let me get the right one. Sorry. Uh, here we go. Here it is. Sorry. We'll never keep up with those horses. Then we will have to track them. That would take forever. Besides, even if we find them, they'll catch us, stick us in cages, torture us, and finally devour us. Are you suggesting we go home? Nah, this is more fun. All right, fine. All right, so that was like the best clip (laughs) I could find of Willow if that's telling you anything. (laughs) I still, I do not understand why they are French. It's the accent of the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Do we got anything else to say on Willow? Do you have any... We can save it for closing arguments. You've presented your evidence. You got anything else? No, I'll leave it at that. It's a fun movie. It is a fun fun movie. It was fun Um, when I was a kid. It was boring when I was an adult. I named when when I used to play Hero Quest a lot in the early 90s. Every time I was the barbarian, I would name him Mad Mardigan for like the longest period of time. You have like a Val Kilmer poster in your room. No, not anymore. Over your bed. <laughs> Dude, I'll take that real genius poster you see everywhere any day. That 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 one that's really popular. So let's move on. Movie I have brought here today is Legend by Ridley Scott. This is specifically the director's cut, but we'll, we'll talk about both. Like I the said, the four earlier. other versions. Yeah. So the director's cut, basically, with Legend, why there's two different cuts. Well, there's more than two cuts, but why there's two main cuts is that. When the original movie was made, the studio kind of got cold feet and stepped in. And when they imported it into the U.S., they they cut the movie up, they replaced the soundtrack, and they kind of uh, took out a lot of the plot and kind of streamlined it and became kind of an unwatchable mess. 
kind of as a kid i i watched the theatrical cut and i enjoyed it quite a bit when i was a kid but um director's cut's a lot better so in i think like 2000 2001 uh ridley scott got the like masters and released the director's cut on blu-ray and, and dvd so that's why there's two different cuts studio interference uh ridley scott's come out and tom cruise both come out and said this is the movie they prefer the director's cut and they're actually proud of it as the theatrical cut not so much stars tom cruise as jack and tim curry as darkness this is probably probably tim curry's best role i think of his career I mean, Frankfurt, Dr. Frankfurter is fun, but I think this has to be Tim Curry's best. Issue you're shaking your head, what, what's yeah. a better Tim Curry performance? The butler from Clue, man. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is not better than Darkness. What do you, Jason, you got to chime in on this. Think of the range from the, the butler and Clue. That's all, it speaks for itself. I don't know. I don't know that so many people would pick this as his best role because it's like, you almost forget that it's him, right? Because that's he's, how good he's of an actor he is. He is. He, is, he, he, he melts into that character. I I agree with he that. He makes but a I don't, giant. I think, I think if you were to ask somebody sexy. off the street, they would say, you know, Doctor Frankenfurter, or you know, I don't know. Doctor Frankenfurter is fun, but the, yeah. he kills this role. He acts his goddamn heart out. Yeah. I I agree with that. Tom Cruise, not so much. Uh, Tom Cruise is okay. He, he plays uh, Jack, who's a forest, like a, a child of the forest. So he's not like an elf or anything. He's a human child, kind of like a Mo- Mowgli situation. But he's in love with, um, what's her name in this? Jeez. Lily. Lily. Lily, yeah. There you go. He's in love with Lily, who is a princess. The movie's really streamlined. It, one story straight through, not a lot of subplots. It's basically got two locations, the forest and um, the Darkness's castle or whatever, giant tree he lives in. But it's a, it's a classic fairy tale about there's two unicorns and they're the last of the unicorns and Darkness, who is this evil overlord, um, wants them killed. So he can have darkness 24 hours a day and jack who is a kid leads lily to the unicorns to watch them but she doesn't listen and she interacts with them physically which causes one of them to get shot by a goblin and get murdered and so then darkness captures lily and the remaining unicorn he tries to have sex with lily jack shows up and kills darkness and saves the last unicorn it's a pretty straightforward uh a fairy tale i like this movie between these three for the fact that i think it is more of a classic fantasy movie it definitely has the most magical elements of all the three movies sword play may be a lighter than the other ones you do get that sword battle between jack and darkness at the end but um, definitely it's the one that has actual monsters that aren't chaka and the testicle dragon did you know that the the witch in the swamp is played by the holographic doctor from Voyager. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I did, Meg. I did know that. Meg Mucklebones yeah. is uh, the character yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit so, of crossover with our movies is the high old one in my movie, and one of the guys in your movie, uh, the Billy Barty, are the same actor. So is that not, Brown Tom? Not Brown Tom, the other one. Yeah. Can't think of his name. Is that the same guy that plays the dude in He Man, live action He Man? I think yes, he is. it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, I can't wait for best uh, action figure movie <laughs> based off a toy line. But yeah, so this movie 
is beautifully shot. It's shot on a soundstage. That's not a real forest they're in. That's actually a soundstage that they did. Um, they brought in real trees. They filled it with real birds. Um, it's just got a lot of texture. Like when you're looking at the screen, you know, it's a classic Ridley Scott film. So you've got shafts of light and you got debris and stuff in the air that you can see. It just makes it very lived in. They, they had like a dozen dudes to like sit around and dump glitter, <laughs> glitter and yeah. pollen oh. and leaves. There's so much that for me, the best thing about legend is just the atmosphere. Yeah. I think I like it's thick. I'm not like engrossed texture. by like the plot or anything, but it's so textural and just atmospheric that that's that for me is like the best thing about it. Visu- visually it is, it is pretty stunning due to all of that stuff, but it's just like, it's so much at the same time. It's kind of like, I don't see what's going on because there's, there are all these bubbles yeah, and there, you know what I mean? But in a good way. From how I I remember it being younger, just it is the most beautiful film I've ever seen, like with updated high def graphics. It was just, yeah, a very good looking movie. One thing that Ridley Scott does that I like a lot in this movie is the way he frames up the shots. You have a lot of stuff in the foreground, but the focus is things on in the background and the way he shoots it actually you feel like you're in the scene right like you feel that the scene shot from your vantage point which with the atmosphere stuff that we said just a really engrossing movie out of the three movies this is the place i would like to visit i think you know i agree with that but it's definitely the the most the the most magical movie I, I kind of like that the movie is so streamlined and doesn't have a lot of su- uh, subplots and, and side characters. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? I, I think, um, again, it reminds me of almost like a Disney movie in that yeah. it's very like a Snow White in, in terms of its fairy taleness. So it's, it's, it's one that I almost don't really think of when I think of sword and sorcery because it feels... I don't know how to describe it. Almost more like fairy ephemeral, you know, mm-hmm. and and just makes me think of um, of like a Disney live action in a way. Yeah, it's would be the scariest fucking Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. This this that's another thing that I like about this movie is that it is that natural like classic Disney like fairy tale, but there's some dark stuff in this movie. Like the scene oh, yeah. when it opens up and they're like you've got like the leather face dude and the leather pig mask and he's chopping up dudes to make yeah. pies and stuff out of. Yeah, he it, he tried to uh I think he originally tried to get Disney to uh distribute it and they were like, uh no. Like <laughs> just this is you know not kid friendly enough. Yeah. And, and then you've sec- got you've got Meg Mucklebones in there. That gave me nightmares when I was a <laughs> yeah. kid. Like that well Meg Tim Curry gave like me a highlight for me. Tim Curry gave me nightmares. As sexy as he is in this movie, he's he's <laughs> scary, man. So I first encountered this movie. My parents rented it for me when I was seven because it had a unicorn on the cover. <laughs> and so it was like the weekend. It was like nine o'clock at the night at night, and they like put it in so I'd like fall asleep. And I was crying. I was like, it's scary. like you know, Tim Curry, giant fucking devil. I was I was horrified. Dude, even his hooves had glitter in them. It was it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what I will say about the director's cut is I, I do feel like it is a more well put together movie and better in, in that sense in terms of kind of the there's a little more depth, I guess, to the narrative. And it, it, it kind of flows a little bit better. But when I was a kid, 
and I first saw it on TV or wherever I saw it at that Tangerine Dream soundtrack. I feel like is like is missing for me. Like it it misses in a way that feels really big because it's it, there's so much again nostalgia tied up in it for me that when I don't hear that soundtrack against the director's cut, I feel like I'm missing something. And and also they re- they removed the the uh, Gump replacing the the horn at the end of it. Yeah. Which is weird. That's mm-hmm. weird to me. Like, I don't know why they would do that, but maybe you felt that scene was redundant since you see it with the horn later. Could, could yeah, be. at the end when they're walking yeah. away. Yeah, the it thing, just felt like I, a, it felt like a big deal. I really like the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. They couldn't use it because the director's cut is so much longer. They didn't have extra Tangerine Dream music laying around, so they couldn't really do that. The thing yeah. that musically, though, I, I like the score for the director's cut, though, even though it is a more classical uh, movie score. But I think they could have used that sweet song by John Anderson from Yes at the end, you know, that they play when he's like jumping in the waterfall and getting the, mm-hmm. the ring that they could have cut that. They could have put that into the director's cut. That's a pretty awesome song. They also don't have um, maybe I didn't stick around for it, but I don't think they put the Brian Ferry track at the end either. Did they? It's not in there in yeah, the credits. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. That's a good that's a good song, too. Yeah, my did, biggest... you guys, did, did you watch the video? Have you seen the Brian Ferry "Is Your Love Strong Enough" video on the mm-hmm. on the DVD? No. It's, man, it's so it's so eighties. I uh, great. I rented the Ultimate Edition off of Amazon, so it had you could watch both versions on there. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, um, I like the actress that plays Lily. I think she does a really good job. I think that even though we're talking about how it is a classic fairy tale, I don't think she's much of a damsel in distress type. Even before she knows Jack is going to be there at the end, she betrays darkness to, you know, she had planned to get close to him all along to release the unicorn. And you could see that even before Jack got there, she was an independent woman. She didn't, you know, she didn't listen to Jack at the beginning to avoid the unicorn. You know, she talked back to darkness when he was talking to her. And uh, you know, she just she was pretty sassy. I like that she just wasn't a damsel in distress. Yeah. Did you I like her better in this good. or Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Um Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. But she was really good in this, I thought. I, I liked that aspect. I thought she had a lot of chemistry with Tim Curry. But again, maybe Tim Curry just has chemistry with anyone. He could have saved Willow, maybe. But can we talk about him as darkness? Though? How how good was he? Like yeah. the voice effect they used for his voice in this just made his already like velvet voice sound even better. Yeah, growing up, my dad would always record like voices and uh, like songs from movies that he liked on this old VHS like tape to tape recorder. And I just remember he recorded parts of Darkness's voice and just would randomly play it at family functions and <laughs> sort of like be in awe of, of what it was. And uh, especially like his big, long, like guttural laugh. The performance he got out of being under all that makeup is, is amazing. And you imagine like back then in the 80s, it was probably just absolute, like just not a good time to be in makeup like that. <laughs> no, I'm sure it took like, eight hours or whatever to apply all that makeup yeah i think i i think i read somewhere like five hours to get into makeup for him whenever whenever they were doing that the speaking of which the uh the effects guy on this i think all around it's like pretty amazing just the goblins and uh meg Mucklebones, darkness yeah the prosthetic uh, they're, they're all really great he's, yeah, he's the, the same guy that did the thing yeah. and man there's Dude, a couple Alien. other really yeah yeah really great movies that he did um the prosthetics and the practical effects in this movie hold up like even at the time like they were masterfully crafted it wasn't 
shaka suits and penis monsters like this was <laughs> this was really really good makeup yeah my, I, my, my biggest complaint with the movie like i said it looks great the score is awesome but to get the entire like experience you kind of have to watch two or three versions of the same movie one has the kick-ass soundtrack the other has the better like ending of the story when you find out it's not happily ever after and she realized I contend she, if you've never yeah. seen any of them if you just watch the director's cut you'll watch a fantastic movie. Uh, what, I think every, all three of us here had seen both prior to prior to this. So we, knew, <laughs> we knew the difference existed. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a version out there that's for me, that's, you know, if they could kind of meld some of the aspects yeah. of both yep. together, that just hasn't happened yet. There's probably some, some fan out there somewhere that's like cut a bunch of it together. That's something I would rather mm-hmm. see. It was weird seeing Tom Cruise pre nose job, pre dental work. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I didn't notice it like when I was a kid, but now that it's been highlighted of how that one tooth is like more in the middle yeah. of his face or whatever, yeah. like yeah. I can't you can not definitely see it, see it every, time, every time I see him like free, free new teeth, like it's, it's weird. Yep. All right. Yeah. So I, I pulled a clip that's my favorite clip for this movie. Um, it is darkness in his uh, mother night opening speech. If you, you watch play the, the pet clip version. again, I'm, I'm, I'm ending the chat. If the pet clip comes on again. Give me one second here. Mother Knight, fold your dark arms about me. Protect me in your black embrace. I sit alone, an impotent exile, whilst this force, this presence returns to torment me. Enter! Ah, Blix, come closer. Are you not the most loathsome of my goblins? I let that go a little long. I just want to hear that. Aren't you the most nasty of my <laughs> bad goblins? <laughs> Blix was absolutely terrifying when I was a kid. Blix is terrifying. Yeah. He's he's the best goblin. Anytime I'm D&Ding or, you know, whatever, and I think of goblins, that's like the yeah. the goblin that I think of in my head. I like in this movie how the goblins are kind of a perfect example of like the seductive corruption of evil like as soon as they get the unicorn horn they're like fuck darkness you know we've got the power now i'm the evil overlord and, you know he shows up and he drops the horn the other one picks it up and challenges darkness and you know they make that like zombie come out of the ground and, and murder him like I, I thought that was really cool like i like the goblins they just weren't like mindless bad guys they gave them some personality which was cool so was the one um was the one goblin was he a dwarf yeah he was a he was a lost dwarf was he like, like a, a half because it looked like his hands looked like goblin hands and his like ears looked like goblin ears i don't know he looked weird he was a fallen dwarf that was like on his transition into the like the uh, okay. goblinhood. all right but uh that darkness speech like that that's just tom, tim curry kills it in this movie that speech was fantastic is that speech not great yeah, next to Wadsworth and Pennywise, this is definitely his best role for sure. Oh, forgot about Pennywise. <laughs> All right, so I think that about wraps it up. I think what everybody has to say on Legend. So let's move on to our final fighter, Excalibur. Jason, hit us. 
Excalibur. So Excalibur is 1981, John Borman, you know, epic medieval fantasy based on the Arthurian legend, the sword in the stone. It's specifically Le Mort de Arthur or whatever. That's right. That's right. I think most people are going to, you know, recognize it because of that and Knights of the Round Table. And there's a lot of content there that, you know, a lot of people are going to know before they even see the movie if they haven't seen it before. I think widely regarded as probably the best film version, you know, uh, capturing that. So basically, are you saying the King Arthur movie with Mr. Fantastic isn't the best one? (laughs) That's that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Kind of an all star cast. Uh, A lot of people, you know, that came over from theater stage acting before they were in films or or weren't widely known at that point. You've got uh, Helen Mirren, Nigel Terry, who's uh, King Arthur, Liam Neeson, Gabriel Uh Burns in that. Patrick Stewart catch, catch him Patrick Stewart man just lots of good actors in it you got both of Borman's kids are in it his daughter his oh, son I know his daughters in it <laughs> uh, yeah you can't you can't miss that so basically it's you know it's kind of a classic sort of three act film you've got the early story where Uther Pendragon you know wants wants to be king and he's he's battling it out with the Duke of Cornwall and he's got it starts out he's got merlin uh on his side uther does and he wants excalibur and he kind of gets merlin to retrieve excalibur for him and with the power of the sword is you know basically demanding to be king and comes to a truce with the duke of cornwall and now he's king there's a big party and immediately his greed and lust take over when he sees the Duke of Cornwall's wife, Igraine, Duchess of Cornwall, with her fancy dance. Supreme and, dancer uh, all the he way. Can't, he can't handle the dance. And then <laughs> Ride your he's got to have her. To so, uh, as soon as there's peace, it's, it's off again. He's basically... Uh, gets Merlin to use the magic and transform him into Duke of Cornwall Armor while, while the actual Duke is off somewhere else chasing who he thinks is uh, Uther and his uh, knights and seduces and kind of to the point of rape while seduce? he's wearing armor. Does um, he seduce? <laughs> Igraine. It's got to be yeah, so cold he? on her thighs, man. So it's cool. A, yeah. So and, is there a cock in the, flap in his plate mail, Sorry, say that. Is there a penis flap? Is that how it works? Like uh, there does, must be. Yeah, so you just pop open the front. Well, cod pieces are probably just yeah, yeah. They've got a, a snap off kind of. You must be situation. Do you think? Do you think husbands normally bang their wives in full plate mail because she didn't even bat an eye? I, She's like, I no, don't. Okay, own, here we I go. I don't own any full plate mail, so I can't really comment on that. Yeah. She was um, like, okay, but that was his daughter. That was his daughter. Yeah. yeah that so that's, scene. so that's John Borman's daughter. Uh, Can you imagine plays, directing that, that scene? That. Like, uh, excuse me, sir. Could you suck my daughter's boobs better, please? <laughs> yeah. That's probably tough. I mean, you when you're he was like, is it when cold? You're a professional, is, is when you're the armor cold? You're a professional, you know, those things don't, don't get to you. Um, like dad, so, can we get some baby oil? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you were finished the first act of a, of a nine act movie, so you can keep telling your synopsis. Yeah, so in the process of uh, that scene, 
he impregnates a grain. What process? And her daughter, Morgan Le Fay. Uh, her previous daughter. So she, her previous. Yeah, right, right. Husband. She she uh, she recognizes that her real father, she senses it because she's kind of a magic no, she person. She this, this guy rape her mom. Yeah, but she senses that her real father has died Already at the died. time that he dies while that's happening uh, in battle. And knows that that's not her real father. She like creep watches him and stares him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is pretty creepy. It's like when she's, a dog walks kind in of sleeps you. in the same room, right? After that, it flash forward however many years, and she has that child who is Arthur. And before that, Merlin basically um, kind of made a deal with Uther that you know I'll do this for you. And then this is what you're going to do for me. And, and once the child that is born out of that. So he comes and takes Arthur uh, away from them and disappears into the woods. And then Uther has decided he's going to chase him. He's changed his mind. And in all that is attacked on the road or in the forest along the way and killed or, or, or maimed. And before he dies, he drives the sword into the stone. You know, says if he can't have it, no one will. And that's your your sword in the stone setting up the second act where we get to see Arthur as a teenager with his adoptive parent and brother. And you get the sword in the stone stone kind of situation where he comes along, finds it while he's looking for his brother's sword for contests that they're having to be the person that gets to pull the sword or gets the attempt anyway. And he pulls it out while he's trying to just find a sword for his brother kind of randomly becomes King. There are several other knights that don't agree with that. You've got Patrick Stewart's character, Leo de Grants, Leo de Grants, I think is how you say that. He's immediately on the side of uh, Arthur. Arthur goes to help him when his castle's under siege meets Guinevere, who is, Patrick Stewart's character's daughter. Like I'll help you by banging your daughter and <laughs> saves him. And in, in that, in that process during that battle, he's one of the other knights. Uh, he kind of takes down and wants him to pledge loyalty to him. And, you know, he, the other knight refuses to, because he's, he's not a knight. And so he kind of epically gets him to knight him, gets him to knight him through his, his faith. You know, he's, He's so overcome by this act of faith that Arthur has when he gives him Excalibur to knight him on the spot that, that he does it. And from there, you've kind of got, you know, they, they take over the kingdom. There's peace. Lancelot comes onto the scene and you've got this dynamic between, I think, King Arthur and Lancelot where they after after their battle. Yeah. After there's a battle between the two where Lancelot is basically on a bridge and wants to, he wants to be beaten. I think he, there's no, no man or knight that's come along to best him so far. And Arthur basically uses the power of Excalibur to do that. And in that process breaks the sword and immediately regrets it and knows that he's, he's used it in this way that it wasn't meant to be used and on the bright side of that for him, uh, he has won this battle and Lancelot is now his friend and one of his knights. However, uh, Lancelot, again, you know, lusting after another man's 
wife and and likewise uh you've got guinevere that's also she's in love with lancelot as well but they don't act on it lancelot sleeps in the forest and doesn't come around because he is king arthur's friend and eventually it does go down that path king arthur finds out when they're in the woods they're asleep together after they've been together in the woods and he he finds them drives the sword between the two losing the sword in that process he's he's also injured uh through the uh the dragon the dragon is kind of this this thing that you know they don't really tell you exactly like mother it's, earth it's, it's, it's like it's albion the earth, basically the right of england but he's he's managed to injure merlin in this process and uh morgana is able to encapsulate him while this is happening and so Arthur has basically lost the land, kind of lost the kingdom. And at some point, you know, I guess it, it's, it's kind of strange. They don't really talk about it, but the grail comes up suddenly in act three. You've got Percival. Act who, seven, uh, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Percival it's kind of basically shows. basically like 10 separate stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Percival shows up on the scene in, in act two, basically wanting to be a knight. And he's very, this younger, naive guy that he ends up being the squire to Lancelot eventually gains knighthood and he's kind of the uh the hero in act three after uh Morgana encapsulates Merlin and decides that she's going to basically seize the kingdom for herself through having Arthur's child she seduces him and she bangs her brother she pulls him that's to right coil. right seduces him and has sex with him under the guise of being Guinevere and she then has Arthur's child, who she wants to rule the kingdom. During all of this, after Arthur has lost the sword, he sends all of the knights on a quest to find the grail. And I don't know what, at what point the grail has been lost. We're not sure if maybe Morgana is responsible for that. We don't really know. But you've got Percival, who ends up kind of being the hero and, and finds the grail, solves the riddle, saves Arthur. And he gets uh, Arthur more or less back on his feet. He gets Excalibur back from Guinevere, who is now a nun of some sort, and goes and basically kills his own son in battle. Lancelot shows up on the scene. He's been kind of this religious zealot that he's turned into, you know, ends up coming back to help Arthur in the battle. And he wins, but he dies, gives up Excalibur to be returned back to the lake, to the land, I suppose, to, to be discovered again another day or to, to come back another day to heal the kingdom. That's basically the story in a, in a roundabout way. Why'd you pick this movie? I, I think for me, yeah, ish. for <laughs> me, it's, it's a lot like maybe the same reasons that you had for picking Legend. And that is... I think the, the visuals of the movie and, and it was like, I think maybe my first introduction into kind of a more sword and sorcery type film. I probably saw it TBS or something like that around 85 or 86, you know, somewhere around there. And, and I knew the, you know, Disney sword in the stone, I think is actually probably the first foray into like a yeah. uh, fantasy sword yeah. and sorcery for me. And so I knew the story very well. And I think just the visuals, it's, it's got a, the, the score, the visuals are pretty stunning. Do you see anybody I, underneath all the green light? Yeah. Dude, they had to have like I 10 mean, dudes with green flashlights. on. The yeah. Set I mean, it's the, the it's, the, it's, it's the same kind of thing. 
as you've got in legend where they're trying to create this atmosphere. Do you think, do you think the do. green is supposed think, to be like the dragon? Is, yeah, I think, well, so it represents, it certainly represents the, uh, the magic uh, of the, the dragon or Excalibur, yeah. I think. You know, it's it's all over everything though, right? Like it, there are so many of those kind of woodland scenes where it's already fairly green, and yeah. then you have this emerald kind of drenching the shimmer everything, and and off of the armor, and um, they had you know there's so much the the costuming I think is another thing that that I really love about this movie, and I read somewhere that the contract was actually just for like 14 suits of armor from this guy that made all the armor they ended up having to have like over a hundred suits <laughs> nice. uh, for, for the filming. Yeah. Just visually pretty stunning. I think in, in the same way that, like I said, that you like legend. I, I feel like that about this in terms of the visuals. I, I like uh, Excalibur. I, I watched it as a kid. I, I enjoyed it as an adult. There's a lot of good things here that I, I do like. I like it's giving us the Arthur myth, but it's not necessarily just giving them to us as like heroes, as like these white knights. It gives us real flawed heroes and flawed characters, which I think yeah. is really good. I think um, this movie has a really good like moral at the center of it like you know it teaches you the cost of like trying to live an honorable life and 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 chivalry and stuff i think that's those are some cool things that the the movie does i like that you see arthur change over time there's just a lot of emotion in the movie which i think is really cool i'm less on the visuals and actually more on on the writing side for me i think the movie is written really well it's got really good dialogue my downside i think is i actually wish they casted somebody else as king arthur i don't know he he made an awkward teenager and he made a really bad like when they like old made him old makeup it just looks so bad yeah it's it's strange that you know they they did cast the same guy for the entire role yeah they should have casted a kid for the kid version (laughs) yeah i agree yeah i think that's that's maybe true the the older arthur i don't i don't mind i think you know once he becomes and kind of finds his his character stride you know after he's king and into the aged arthur I, th- I think he's I think he's fine in that it's it is weird he's I think he's about 35 you know when yeah, say he's like a when he did that year he's like playing old a, teenager yeah, playing a teenager it's a little okay I found a sword right but it's the, uh, uh yeah the same guy the entire way through yeah. the through the movie I would honestly would not mind just having like a kid be the beginning of the movie and then have uh, like Patrick Stewart have been Arthur I think would be yeah. great it's it's strange that he that they did do that because they did you know age his his son was it mordred, uh, mordred? yeah mm-hmm. um the young the young mordred is actually that's um john borman's son okay. and so when he's when he's the younger version they yeah. dubbed over his voice i think with his daughter's voice so when he's speaking that's not actually his voice as the young one just kind of strange so they you know they went through these lengths to do that with other characters. So it's a, it's a bit odd that they didn't do it with the main character and have him be a, you know, more realistic uh, teenager. Yeah. Other complaint is kind of the complaint that you had with legend, except the opposite is I think Excalibur is really light on the sorcery and it's much more on the sword aspect. It's much grounded in reality. At some points, it's almost a historical epic instead of a fantasy movie. 
I don't know. I mean, there's 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 a significant amount of sorcery in there. I think with the the mists and riding the mists and transforming into uh, the Duke of Cornwall, and then you know beneath the castle and being encased by uh, Morgana. You yeah, know, this, it's, it's out of the three films. It's definitely more. Yeah. I mean, it's based on like medieval England, right? It's just the yeah, most yeah. reality out of right, all of right, them. right. Yeah, it I mean, is the, the most gritty the, and visceral the, by far. The, the charm of making regarding the sorcery is uh, something that's like stuck with me, like since I was a kid yeah. and, and it shows up in like a couple of different movies, especially uh, most recently ready player one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys realize yeah. that or not, but where they're, you know, he has to deactivate the sphere where they have to deactivate the sphere. And that's the charm of making is what activates and deactivates that at the end of the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, um, and I, then I they also. Like, sorry, go yeah, ahead. It's just, it's just uh, the sorcery. Is, it's just light. I don't know. It's yeah. not like, like yeah, it's it's what I would say is pretty indirect. I think mm-hmm. is is how I would describe it. You don't have a lot of visual sorcery, but it's referenced and it's there. I mean, Merlin is kind of. You could argue that he's maybe the main character, you know, and yeah. if if not, if there's no sorcery, you know tied to merlin then you know what what have you got sorcery that's what you got yeah yeah the um, thing I, I liked least pretty much about uh, excalibur was the pacing so yeah. that's what that's what kind of got me is it it jumped and uh, the pacing is i think yeah they so there's they it's like 10 short jump, stories like nine it's not a cohesive more. story it's right, not beginning right. to end it's a series of short vignettes. Yeah, yeah. Most right. Arthurian films focus on a couple of those, those, those yeah. like milestone and that's, stories. Yeah, and there's a there's definitely a passage of time between acts and even within acts, you know that that mm-hmm. aren't really accounted for. But yeah, I mean, you've got a two hour and twenty one minute movie on your hands in terms of you know yeah, what, the, what they're trying nice to accomplish. If it was more coherent and tight. Is there a North American cut of this movie that's shorter, like Legend? Nope. Um, not so. not not a DVD version. I mean, it's you know, if, you're, if you saw it on, with one edition, it's pretty cool. Yeah, if you saw it on network television when you were a kid, you They're probably you got a you got a cut. But no, there's not a there's not a different version available to watch. I like my my favorite scene in the movie, which I think was just awesome, is the scene where they take the castle at the beginning, and you know he says one land, one king, and like he wants the knight to you know bend the knee to him he laughs in his face and he's like you're not even knight like because you know he's a kid or whatever and he's like right right and then he hands that guy excalibur Excalibur, yeah and the guy's just like in shock and awe and knights him and like declares him his king like that was a really cool scene i like yeah it could have you could definitely like done another way where like the guy refused to kneel and he like fights the guy or whatever you know but they did it. it it was really cool it was a good story yeah, and it's it's like, is it the power of Excalibur that's compelling him, or is it uh, his awe of Arthur's faith that yep. he will knight him? Mm-hmm. I think is is what's kind of impressive there. Yeah, the that's story good, the story's good, good, and everybody knows that. That's why it's remade and retold so many different ways, so many different films. But yeah, like I said, I, of, of the three sword and sorcery. This is, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to put this at rank three again this week. Now, I don't have nothing to do with Jason. It's just, this one just didn't have the fantasy that I really looked forward to when it came to picking movies like this. Well, if we were doing fantasy films, yeah, that would be a different thing. But we're doing sword and sorcery this week. Capital, capital <laughs> sword, little sorcery. 
Okay, so I pulled a clip. My thought was really cool with the movie. Arthur fights Lancelot when they meet for the first time. I think it's really cool that he the sword breaks because he uses the power of the sword to help him you know, in a personal selfish problem. It wasn't, you know, altruistic. He wasn't using the sword for, for Britain. I think think he immediately realizes it and casts the sword aside out of disgust. And that's why he gets it back remade whole. I mean, that's cool too. Sorry. What were you saying? Ish. Uh, Just the early on when Merlin mentions to Uther, he's like, the reason we made this bargain is you're supposed to use the sword to heal rather than to harm. So when he when he broke the rules that's uh, that was his punishment heal not keel i am lancelot of the lake from across the sea and i have yet to find a king worthy of my sword that is a wild boast you lack a knight's humility not a boast sir but a curse for i have never met my match in joust or duel overside i will not you must retreat or prove your worth in the test of arms under the eyes of god then may he give me the strength to unhorse you I'd send you with one blow back across the sea. Then come across, sir. But yeah, so that's that's Excalibur. Any other closing thoughts on Excalibur? It just must have been a pain to make this movie. You just see the suits of armor and... Yeah. Like everybody's dirty and gross and what just... I, what I think so is cool there... is if you watch at the beginning of the movie like if, when you saw Arthur there he's in that like black gritty realistic armor and as the as the movie goes on and the legend of King Arthur develops you notice by the end of the movie they're all in that bright shining plate shining metal that plate metal. um yeah that um Lancelot has it's like he is you can see their chivalry in what they're wearing I thought that was really cool to see them change over time so uh, clo- closing speaking of, speaking of making uh the making of that ish uh, and being a pain in the ass they had something happen there was a i guess the director of photography and filming um there was a point where uh some of the footage something happened to it and the guy had uh kind of a nervous breakdown and quit and they had to find a different guy like like midway i don't know if it's midway or like early on or not but some dude had a kind of a nervous breakdown over the whole thing he's like i'm shooting 10 different movies i just want to shoot one movie yeah (laughs) um so my closing argument i i think out of these three movies the best directed the best story is legend i think ridley scott's a legendary director it shows the story is the most cohesive it the most fun to watch yeah i think legend deserves to win and it, it will win hopefully well uh jumping back to willow it's got the <laughs> please swords. let's please don't it's, it's got the sorcery uh it's got the magic acorns <laughs> uh, it's got, it's that got three feeling. magic acorns you know the three magic acorns maybe that represents the holy trinity of ron howard george lucas and steven spielberg maybe they uh, do you think it's george lucas they together. dropped them. so yep sword sorcery overall good film wholesome Everybody loves a hero that wasn't nobody. So that's that's why Willow deserves a win. I'm pretty sure it will. I got to keep my perfect record going. Can you imagine just like coming across like Peter Dinklage and being like, hey, Peck? <laughs> just he oh would end it pretty quick. Seems like a bad idea. <sighs> so Judge Ryan, um, yeah, fun it's a bad one. idea to call anybody a Peck. I don't know why they invented that word. Excalibur, definitely sword and sorcery. Stunning film. Watch the it. The greatest story ever told. Over. Watch it. And over. Three hours. Join the judge. And over again. And vote. Yeah, Judge Reinhold. 
pick my movie. So, all right, that's a uh, uh, wraps up round two, uh, sword and sorcery films. Um, round three, episode three, the next one uh, category was picked by me. So, um, I picked a genre that I love. And that's vampire movies. You know, uh, I love the genre. Can't get enough of it. Uh, growing up, one of my one of my favorite types of movies. So, I'm picking what I think is the best vampire movie the definitive vampire movie and that is fright night the original 1985 i think fright night ish what 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 do you what do you bring in next week as the the reigning champion reigning champ perfect record going into week two Uh, hopefully that sticks (laughs) keeps on going to week three uh it was kind of hard to choose a vampire film i like a lot of them uh came down to two but i'm actually going to go with blade with wesley snipes All right, that's I think a good it, one. I think it reinvented the genre, so I'm gonna have a lot to say about reinvented it. Reinvented the genre is responsible uh, for Twilight. How about you, yeah. Jason? What do you think? You don't think it? You don't think it was Underworld that reinvented the genre? No way. <laughs> yeah, Underworld's a good movie. <laughs> Underworld one is good. Kate Beckinsale's where it's so, Listen, at. I I love vampire movies. It's it, they're probably it's probably one of my favorite genres. It, it's hard for me to say which movie is the best of that genre, but. I'm going to pick Only Lovers Left Alive. It's a Jim Jarmusch uh, movie. It's fantastic. Mostly just to make you guys watch it because neither of you have seen I'm it. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I, love, um, I love the idea of watching a movie. I like Tilda Swinton. And, and I, hope, uh, I hope other people that are listening will, will have a look and, you know, vote Setting their conscience. An excuse for, lo- vote their for conscience losing three weeks in a row. And not just uh, vote for the most vanilla thing that they've ever seen. And hey, fam, Friday Night it. is not vanilla. <laughs> uh, speaking of those that are listening if, if you guys would like to join and be part of the collective known as judge reinhold to help choose the the victors of uh the fight each week uh feel free to contact us at moviefightpod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on twitter at at moviefightpod yeah anybody's welcome uh you just discuss the movies and you'll vote in the poll that will select the winner yeah, yeah you don't necessarily have to watch all three each week you can always pick your favorite and uh yeah, it's a good group to be in. Lots of lots of great yeah. discussion. There's like some weeks you'll watch it and you're like, I'm not watching Willow. That movie is horrible. <laughs> and I understand. You can skip it. Some weeks you'll be like, there's 14 versions of Legend. I don't know which one they're talking about, so I'm just going to skip Director's it all together. Cut. Yeah, you might have to just skip them all and just uh, <laughs> vote your conscience whether you've just seen it Just watch Lord of the Rings because it's probably the best <laughs> sword and sorcery film. Nobody picked yeah. it, but it is by far the best. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, you got three well, hours uh, for Excalibur. You don't want to know which copy of Legend to watch. Just go with Willow. It's what you know and love. You've it's seen on it Disney 40 Plus. Times. You've seen it's it on TV on, a thousand times. It is on times. Disney Plus. <laughs> we'll get excited cast, for the series. We'll, we'll see you uh, next fight. Yeah, you guys have a good week. Thanks. See ya.